five years ago, I attended a protest in Rhode Island and it was beautiful. You know, it was a lot of unity there involved and, you know, it wasn't overwhelming. Now, when I see the protest, um, it's still beautiful and, but it's very overwhelming because people are like really pouring their souls out, trying to raise awareness about what is happening. And what really strikes me the most and what worries me the most is um, that I see these young people, these young kids out here really protesting and they're using their voices to make a difference. And that's what I strive to do when I work with them. Bringing you conversations with the world's leading visual storytellers on making real impact. This is Storytelling for Change, the Photographers Without Borders podcast. I'm your host, Danny Silva, and I want to acknowledge that I'm coming to you from the traditional territories of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, Métis, and Mohawk First Nations in Canada. Our guest today is Natasha Johnson. Natasha is an independent designer, photographer, and visual artist who also founded a creative after-school program called The Smart Project. She's a Sony Alpha female and is the creator of a magazine called The Self-Publication, a photographic book series that shares reflections and images from members of the Black community. Her goals have always involved using her talents to make others happy and to make positive changes in the world. I spoke with Natasha about her life, her work, and her experiences advocating for Black lives through representation, mentorship, and creative expression. My upbringing wasn't the best. Um, I came, you know, and I live and grew up, raised in Dallas, but I always bounced all over the place. You know, um, grew up in a project in West Dallas and it wasn't the best, but we made uh, what we could to get by. I live with my grandma because my mother wasn't necessarily in the picture. And it's not like she was a bad woman or anything, but when the world gets a hold of you, especially if you're a sweet and gentle person, it can really change you in a way that um, you wouldn't ever imagine. So, you know, I did not say that, um, I can't say anything negative about my mom. I did stay with her a few times throughout my life, but it wasn't long enough to really have that uh, affection that a child would want. Um, my dad got deported back to Nigeria when I was very young, um, you know, and I, I believe my family just truly got wrapped up in what was happening to the community at that time, you know, dealing with poverty and the situation with drugs. Uh, a lot of things were happening. So bouncing around um, from different uh, households, living, living with different family members really had an effect on my life. Now, as a kid, I didn't necessarily always see the negative things happening. I was always a positive kid. And, you know, thankfully to my grandma, but she was pretty strict. And to my step grandpa at that time, um, I was able to kind of hold myself, my head up high. And um, one thing I do remember that my granddad told me to always keep the innocence inside of me because he noticed that I had a, a good spirit and he didn't want the world to jeopardize that like it did my mom. All the inconsistency took a toll on Natasha as a young person, but she also credits the fact that her upbringing took place among a wide network of family members as a large part of what helped her become the person she is today. My mom enrolled us into a school, elementary school. We stayed there for a day and then we moved again. It was just really disruptive and all of that stuff really took a toll on my life. But luckily, you know, as we transferred from household to household, as we lived with aunts and uncles and, you know, we met so many different people while still living in poverty and struggling as a family, I did meet lots of good teachers, lots of good mentors that really believed in me 
and they pushed me to the next level. And I can honestly say that if it wasn't because of them and the collective support that the family members that I had around gave to me, I would have probably ended up um, in a worse off situation and not being the person I am today who is trying to do the same thing that the others have done for me. I interviewed Natasha in the summer of 2020 during the uprisings in response to the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and an untold number of other Black people who have been killed and brutalized by police. I knew she had been attending several of these actions, so I asked her to tell me about what her experience of them was like and how she views what was happening there in the context of her storytelling. Five years ago, I attended a protest in Rhode Island, and it was beautiful. You know, it was a lot of unity there involved, and, you know, it wasn't overwhelming. Now, when I see the protest, um, it's still beautiful, and but it's very overwhelming because people are, like, really pouring their souls out, trying to raise awareness about what is happening. And what really strikes me the most and what worries me the most is... Um, that I see these young people, these young kids out here really protesting and they're using their voices to make a difference. And that's what I strive to do when I work with them. Um, it, it makes me worry about their safety. It really does. But to see them act out there of all different like, races and cultures standing for the same thing, because kids know when something's right and they know when it's wrong and they speak out on it. It's just, um, it's a beautiful thing to see. But mentally, I've had to find the beauty in the little things, like going out in nature, you know, taking pictures of animals, playing with my rabbit. She chews on everything, but uh, <laughs> she does. But, um, you know, being able to find the beauty in little, the little things has saved me mentally because it's draining. It's draining, especially as an educator, worrying about if some of the kids you taught in the past are going to be hurt when they're out there protesting. So, uh, you know, I, I hope things uh, change. I really hope they change with the voices of these young people who are uh, pushing to change the future in the next generation. One of the projects Natasha produces is this incredibly beautiful magazine, which she's created called The Self-Publication. It's a magazine that celebrates Black stories and in a very creative way. I asked Natasha to tell us a bit about how she decided to start the magazine, what it is exactly, and what it means for her and her community. The self-publication, you know, I would say my life inspired it, but I was really inspired when I went off to grad school. So um, I went off to study at the Rhode Island School of Design um, in 2014, and I graduated in 2015. And when I was there, I was disconnected from friends and family and all of the things that I was used to back in Texas. And I was able to see the harsh memes and stereotypes being shared online. Some of those same stereotypes um, and just ill, you know, behaviors that were happening online really did impact a lot of my friends as well as myself. And when you go through life, I felt that um, going and growing up in life, you know, going through all of that stuff that I uh, had to endure as a kid and then in high school, not actually being exposed to my history, um, kind of is what led to this project because lots of people have issues uh, and they spoke about them in this publication that were never spoken about before. You know, it's kind of like, well, you're strong, you know, you're seen as a strong person in the black community. 
you know, seeing a shrink or a therapist wasn't like something that was discussed or, you know, heard of. And um, that was a problem. And I saw that that was a problem because of the way, you know, my friends were interacting with other people, you know, worrying about microaggressions at work, worrying about problems within their relationships, how they are viewed, um, how they have to compromise and sometimes change their voices or their stance to get jobs. It can be very draining on the human spirit. And what I wanted to do was um, open up a platform to have people speak and talk about themselves and as a way to allow other people to relate to them. Now, when I initially started the project, uh, I just wanted to photograph black women with natural hair because I had recently transitioned and, um, you know, I was perming my hair because the idea of it being uh, kinky wasn't deemed as beautiful. But unknowingly, I was perming my hair because of the world, what the world had taught me at a very young age. My grandma started perming my hair, so I just thought it was necessary. But when I was away at grad school, learning about myself, starting to learn about my history, starting to tie in my life story and uh, relate it to the stories and what I wanted to do for this publication, really helped me form this this publication into what it is now. And now it's not just only about women with natural hair, but it's about members in the Black community and their stories and ways to heal. So it's hard because <laughs> I do it all alone, but um, it's necessary and I wouldn't change it for the world because I really love my culture and I love uh, the idea of people reading it and understanding it. When, when I look for you know participants, it's either word of mouth or I'll make a post, but usually it's... Um, you know, after all of that, they go through stages like that. Sometimes it's just the vibe I get from individuals I meet in person because it's very important to me to include people who are very, um, you know, thoughtful. They care about others. They see the world from the same perspectives that I do. And even if they don't, it's not like I would turn them away. But I want to make sure that they, you know, believe in themselves and that they are com comfortable enough to share their stories because I don't want to force anyone to do anything. Um, I really just judge, I, I go based off vibes. I'm all about good energy. And, you know, I've met over 28 people with good energy and they're just all for it. And they usually just tell me, you know, after the book is published, like, thank you for allowing me to tell my story. But I have to thank them for even wanting to share their stories with me. Natasha has thus far completed two of these 74-page publications, which are full of stunning images of the 28 participants and their stories. I asked Natasha how she chooses who will be included in the magazine and what the magazine means for those who are featured in it, as well as the broader community. Okay, well, the self-publication is all about the idea of loving yourself, because it's been often found in the community that people ha have found it very hard to love themselves due to the stereotypes that have been enforced and due to the, you know, the ideas of oppression that have been enforced since a very young age. It starts very early. And believe it or not, lots of these people that are in this publication are millennials and they, they were not seeing the representation that they needed to see of themselves, good representation um, in the media. In many of the shows that were available that were like pop, that show positive black images, aren't necessarily around anymore and they were not around in their teenage years. So, you know, it ties to a lot of things because they talk about, you know, the idea of people touching their hair in the workplace, you know, um, Lenny speaks about being uh, profiled and told to leave a neighborhood and he's such a sweet person. I will never, 
imagine anyone doing him like that, but it happened. Others talk about, you know, the, uh, the encounters they've had with racism and, you know, they, these people have to live with that stuff. It's very traumatic and it's embarrassing, you know? And, um, my first, my first experience was, uh, I was very young and I got lied on <laughs> by another student, uh, you know, a white student when I was a very small child who told the teacher I hit her. So I got forced to sit in the corner. And the second time I was around 12 and a grown, a grown adult uh, who was cutting my mom off on the freeway called us the N word. And, um, you know, stuff like that sticks with you. I still remember it. And that, that man's voice rings as if it, um, was said yesterday. So all of these stories, there's so many different stories in this publication and none of these people know each other. And well, maybe a few of them might know each other, like are related or something in that, that way. But many of them don't know each other and they all have similar stories around traumatic experiences, but it's not about just trauma. They also talk about the love that happens inside of there as well in unity, but most definitely they hit hint and talk about uh, the supremacy and the oppression that's happening to the community. The self-publication is a series created to combat harsh stereotypes associated with the Black community. And the result is a stunning collection of stories and photographs that share some deeply personal stories and experiences. I asked Natasha how she approaches the interviews for the self-publication and if she has any go-to questions she uses to initiate the conversations. One of the first questions I asked them is, how do you feel about self-love and, and how will you define it? Like, how do you define it? I mean, and uh, that opens the door immediately. And they're like, oh, I love this about myself. This makes me happy. And then before talking about any negative things, they are able to talk about the love first. So it's not as uh, heavy as a burden. So that's always my go-to uh, question because with all that's going on, I want people to continue to love themselves because if they don't love themselves, they can sink into a deep hole and never come back. So that's just a question that I, I feel that's necessary. And even at the exhibit, the panels that I had, huge posters, everyone was able to come and sign uh, words of inspiration. So they signed and wrote positive things uh, about one another and it was beautiful. As someone whose childhood was impacted significantly by the mentors she found herself in the presence of, Natasha wanted to find a way to give back and do the same for youth struggling with similar circumstances. While she was at RISD, she founded the SMART Project, an after-school mentorship program created to connect teens in grades 8 to 12 with artists, designers, and photographers. Natasha spoke about the SMART Project and what it means to her. When I was talking about my life story, um, the teachers and the mentors, man, they can really inspire a kid, especially if they mean well. So that's why it's so important. I'm just going to say it's important for teachers who really care about the generations and the kids they teach to be in the schools. So um, I was inspired uh, before, like when I was a teen myself, I always wanted to be a mentor to other kids, but I never got that opportunity. So when I did go to RISD, I, I went to the RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, um, for art and design education. And man, they put us in so many schools. <laughs> we, we were doing presentations every day and you know, I was really drained, but I was so happy uh, about all of the students I got to work with. You know, I worked from uh, with students from Title I schools, uh, students who lived in the suburbs, and, um, you know, students who were in foster care, students who just didn't have parents, and students who had children of their own. But um, 
I noticed that they all gravitated and they loved me just the same because I didn't treat any one of them uh, any different. I felt that they were all equal and I made sure that they knew that. I didn't care if I had a student that was an uh, amazing artist and I had another student who just couldn't just get a stick figure right. It was all about letting them know that, hey, you know, you're a person before anything and I want you to understand that your voice matters. Being there at that time really inspired me. Um, I had the opportunity of mentoring Project Open Door, which was ran by the TLAD department. And man, I went in to that school one was like, I'm not never going to be a teacher. And I left and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And uh, I was so excited about the idea that I had to build an after school program um, that really just took off at RISD that when I came back home, I just started the work. I, I remember coming up with a name for it right after I graduated. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, you know, years later, it finally happened, you know, uh, in the four, you know, girls in the back, including me, we just worked together to make it happen. And these kids are so great. Um, and it's still going. We just received our 501c, you know, status. Um, I'm excited to see where we go. When I sat down with Natasha for this interview, we had actually just run a Beyond Allyship workshop at Photographers Without Borders, which aims to bring in ethical literacy to the photography industry. And we'd had a lot of questions from participants who are not Black and wondering how they could help photograph and document the Black Lives Matter protests and uprisings. In other words, how could they be better allies or strive towards allyship? I would say really build that that connection and uh, speak to one another build friendships, um, understand the beauty of all the cultures, understand the beauty of the world. And that way your experience with documenting and creating the work won't feel so abnormal. I would say it's nothing wrong with photographing it, but you don't, when in the the instance where you see a perfectly good composition and you know that it's going to make a good photo, if you have to go out of your way or push someone to the side just to get that photo or to make someone feel uncomfortable, don't take it. Just live in the moment and really just use your voice and uh, try to feel what everyone else is feeling at that moment. You want to match the energy. Now that would also be a good time to connect with, you know, some of the black photographers or photographers of color who are out there. That's a great way to start meeting people, building friendships, starting to build an organic friendship. So that way, we can all stand together and move things forward. Um, you know, and this is just, you know, speaking from my perspective, my opinion, I just hope that it helps someone what I'm telling you. Um, I'm not saying this is just the right way and the only way, but like, seriously, just, th- just think about your reasons for taking the photo and how you can build friendships outside of the event that's going on at that moment. Reflecting on our discussion, I asked Natasha if she thought there would finally be any meaningful change as a result of the uprisings. I think they will, because these, the young people are like, what? They they are really outspoken. I've worked with them in schools, and I'm like, wow, uh, what did I sign up for? But it's also a good thing, because they push and they inspire me. I do believe that if there is not a change, there is no way we can go backwards, because now it's been exposed, it's open, everyone's eyes are on what's happening currently. So even if we're stuck in the moment and there's no movement, we can't go backwards eventually some change will happen. We have to change. We really do. I see the work that Danny does, you know, with her organization and, you know, the planet, the love and our love depends on all human life living on earth. Like 
we really have to make a difference. So I do believe that there will be some movement. Just don't know how fast. Given Natasha's commitment to championing mentorship, I asked her if she could share with us what the greatest teaching is that she's ever received. The greatest teaching that I've ever learned was when, you know, an older woman in my life that, you know, actually helped me when I was a senior in high school. She told me to always have the gift of discernment and to walk with your head high and and only align yourselves, uh, yourself with those who mean well of you. Because if you spend too much time um, giving energy and time to the ones who don't, you can um, you can actually drown yourself. So I would say to always try to, you know, just align yourself with good people and always try to match that good energy. And if you are not the good energy, please take time uh, to yourself to figure out how you can change that before you hurt anyone else. That is the worst thing you can do in life is hurt anyone else. And in the world that we all need to live on and we have to eventually unite, I hope, to save the planet, we need to focus on being nice first before being an asshole to anyone. (laughs) You can follow Natasha's work on Instagram at N-I-T-A-S-H-I-A-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. That's Natasha Johnson or on her website, natashajohnson.com. I'm Danny Conda Silva, and this has been Storytelling for Change, presented by Photographers Without Borders. Don't forget to follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms so you can be notified of new episodes first. All Photographers Without Borders members also have access to our full visual library of unedited Storytelling for Change episodes. To become a member, head to photographerswithoutborders.org and find us on Instagram or Facebook at Photographers Without Borders. We are incredibly grateful to the Indigenous communities who have been protectors of the land and water since time immemorial. And this is your daily reminder to know whose land you stand on.